everybody and welcome to another exciting episode of the Feasible Filmcast. This is episode 23 for September 23rd, 2016. Today on the show we'll be tackling the brand new Blair Witch film, the found footage movie um, remake. We'll also be getting into X-Men Apocalypse and uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, Out of the Shadows. So. I don't think we're going to be able to get to any news today, um, so just because there's three reviews to go over, but um, let's just go ahead and get things started. Uh, the first movie I wanted to review was X-Men Apocalypse. Now coming from the, just kind of a history on the rest of the X-Men, since we haven't had shows um, back when those came out, uh, I've, I've enjoyed all of the X-Men movies um, except maybe the third one, uh, X-Men 3. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It was just, it was one of the earlier, uh, superhero movies I saw, uh, dating back, you know, into the early 2000s. Um, you know, Iron Man definitely being my favorite and, you know, X-Men slowly, you know, crept up on me when it came out. And, you know, I, I've seen it like several times, the first one. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I've just had a soft spot for them. You know, they always tend to, you know, get the team aspect right, um, get kind of the uh, all the characters coming together uh, all at the right time, and um, not really re regurgitating, you know, a lot of the old material, you know, and especially these last two X-Men movies, I've really enjoyed, you know, kind of, they're, they're more of a prequel, so you know, starting in the 70s, going into the 80s, even going into the future and back again. And, and I've, I've really enjoyed, you know, watching how they fill in the blanks with the story. And that's what's interesting, you know, and that's what's lacking with a lot of the other um, superhero movies that have come out recently, especially this year. So, um, but in this movie, all of that is kind of taken a back seat because, you know, they're, they're using a lot of the same, uh, superhero tropes that you've seen a million times before, you know, with like a, you know, a ger generic bat, a bad guy is, is started. And, you know, as far as I know, I mean, I don't read the comics, but as far as I know, you know, Apocalypse and, um, Magneto and the Sentinels, all those guys are like, you know, top billing when it comes to like, you know, bad guys in the X-Men universe. And I just don't think that they did a good job with the bad guy. You know, I know before the movie was coming out, a lot of the uh, problems were with the look of the character. And I didn't necessarily have a problem with the look of Apocalypse. I just thought that, you know, when he emerges in the first 10 minutes and they're kind of given his backstory, um, you know, it's enough to kind of get, get the movie started. But that's where it kind of ends, you know. Um, you get a feeling to why he wants to, you know, kind of take over the world and start anew. And, you know, they've, they've teased this four horsemen, although they haven't got, you know, really gotten into it all that much, um, with some of the other X-Men movies, you know, they've definitely gone out of their way to, uh, foreshadow this. And I just didn't really, I don't understand the plot. I mean, I guess if you went and read those, maybe it would make a little bit more sense, but I mean, the reason I don't want to, of course, is just because, you know, it'll spoil the rest of the movies down the line and, you know, they're spread out every couple of years. So. Definitely want to be surprised, but um, so another problem that I had with the movie was I thought that uh, you know I, they were building with the first two movies, well in the newer series they were building you know all the characters up you know and each one you you uh, got to know them a little bit better got to know their backstories a little bit better, but in this one 
the entire plot throughout the movie, and it's over two hours long, was just middle of the road. You know, it, it was very generic. And I feel like from beginning to end, I didn't learn anything new from any of the characters um, other than maybe a couple of them. But uh, it, it felt more like another tired re- reboot. And, you know, we've seen with all of the reboots coming out, you know, with the Batman movies and the X-Men movies, or well, not really the X-Men movies, but the Batman, Spider-Man, um, um, you know, just, just changing characters throughout the years. And having to, to, to go back and show the origin stories of all these new characters. And the inclusion in this one is, you know, they, they, they introduce, not that they introduce new characters, they've had them before, but these are like the younger versions, you know, when they, the, the prequels to the ones we know of. And they, in those movies, in the earlier X-Men movies, which would be in the future, we already pretty much know about these characters and they're, they're more, more or less iconic. I mean, most people will be able to pick them out of a crowd, especially, you know, coming from you know, the popularity of the comic books. They're, they're a lot of the, the more prevalent characters. And, you know, so, you, you know, when you're watching it, you're wanting to see these characters kind of evolve. You're wanting to see maybe some background history on some of them, um, what made them kind of turn um, when you see them, you know, because we've already seen their fate in the, in the future movies. Um, we just want to see, or at least I did, I wanted to see, uh, you know, a little bit more backstory and other than kind of just dealing with, uh, you know, loose world issues and things like that. And I know I've used this reference before, but it just seems like to keep cropping up in every single superhero movie is the, uh, in Street Fighter, the movie, when they, they, or Street Fighter, the movie, I mean, the, this has been used millions of times in movies, but uh, for instance, like St- Street Fighter or Blanc, they put Blanca, uh, when they're creating Blanca, you know, they put him in that little capsule and they show him, you know, all of our history's problems, you know. So he doesn't ever get to see any of the good stuff, you know. So he goes over through all the wars, through all the suffering. And so when he comes out and they unleash him onto the world to destroy, you know, everybody or, or fight everybody, he has a negative outlook. And the same is with um, uh, the fifth element, you know, and... uh when uh, they show uh, Miljovic character, um, you know, all of the problems of the world and she ascertains, you know, what's going on in the world and things like that. And it kind of makes her feel sad in a way. And, you know, you've seen it so many different times that, you know, to go back on that in this one again, um, they, they do. That's how Apocalypse kind of catches himself up with history. Because um, I believe this one's in like the late, uh, the mid to late eighties. I think it's in the mid eighties, if I remember right. And so he captures, he catches himself up, you know, has, has a uh, presence of dominance over the world and without spoiling anything, uh, needs powers of, of different mutants in order to take over the world. And so, um, you learn, I, I thought that the most interesting thing about the movie was, um, Michael Fassbender's character, Magneto, is he, he like blends in and tries to create a family. And, you know, they, they've done this in the past with Wolverine's character, you know, and, and all of his spinoff movies, you know, him being a logger and, you know, trying to fit in and ultimately someone trying to hunt him down or find him and he has to use his powers and, you know, everybody figures out who he is. And, and that happens just over time, you know, when he was in the war and, and throughout all the different comics. But this one just felt a little bit more heart. This one was a little bit more heartfelt, you know, and, 
seeing that, you know, he has, he, he brought a family up and, you know, and had a kid and was like, you know, living a normal life and, you know, keeping his powers at bay. And he worked at like a steel mill and, you know, it was like a laborer and kind of similar to, um, like, you know, like in the new Superman movie, he's just, you know, Superman's a crabber or, you know, or when he starts out, he's like working in the, the, the fields. So there's a constant or the cornfields or in, in, in uh, Kansas, I think, but there, there's, there's always a uh, through line and most of them are always laborers or whatever, but you know, cause they're always out of town jobs and things like that, where people don't ask a lot of questions and, you know, and all that I thought was really interesting, but I mean, to really summarize the main plot would kind of be able to be spoiling a lot just because it, there, there's really not a lot to it. And, uh, that's that, like I said, that's one of my main problems. Now there are, I guess, some bright spots, um, namely some things I didn't know. I, I mean, I didn't watch, I watched the first teaser trailer, so I didn't watch anything else. So, um, I don't know if a lot of this was spoiler, but Wolverine being in it was a surprise to me and kind of mixing in and showing where he, uh, how him and Gene get a connection was really interesting. And, you know, uh, him, him running off and kind of filling in that gap. Um, now a lot of the, that was really interesting. And I felt that a lot of the weaker elements was just apocalypse going around finding Psylocke and, uh, you know, just recruiting everybody and I'm an archangel and, um, you know, in going to like, it's, it's just like a small little montage, like every single time or, or every, in a, every single mutant that he like just, sh- he shows up to all these different areas and recruits all these different mutants. I'm not sure how he picks and chooses, unless I just missed it, in the, how he picks and chooses his mutants. He just happens to find these guys, find these random mutants all over the world and pits them and pits them together. I mean, some, some of the characters were, um, uh, some of the characters like kind of are linked together within the story, but others, how they come across them just don't make any sense to me. But, um, that, and another big problem that I thought that really I was not expecting was the special effects I, in this were really, really subpar and like uncharacteristically bad in this, you know, I, I just thought that especially like the end sequence, um, with uh, like, you know, a lot of the destruction of the city and, um, like the, there's like, there's a fight scene, you know, like something similar to any, like, like pick a random superhero movie, you know, and basically all the same. There's like a huge set piece that's being destroyed or, you know, something like that or, or, you know, rocks being hurled or, you know, buildings collapsing and there's similar things to that. But in this, it just looked so cheap and I'm not, I just, I can't put my finger on why it, it, it seems so cheap to me, but it did. And, um, I don't believe that the, uh, the budget was any smaller. I mean, it was a d- definitely a huge budget for this and I know it made over twice as much money, but, um, it's just the other two in the, in this newer series, they just seem to have, um, more of a start and a finish. Whereas this one, it was just, it's just kind of there. It's like, you can kind of take it or leave it. I, I, I'd i imagine if you skip this one, it, it calls back to the other ones. But if you imagine if you would skip this one, and you went to the next one, it really would not make much difference because all the characters start and end where you would think they would. And, um, I don't know. I, I just, 
I just had a problem with that and uh, um, where the characters go and, and and a lot of the time just rehashing a lot of the same, you know, technology, like, you know, just going to Cerebro and um, uh, there, I mean, there, there's some shocking elements in there that I don't want to spoil, but they don't really amount to much. So, you know, while I was watching the film, you know, there's some shocking things that start to happen throughout, but it's just, to me, it just didn't do anything for me. So, I mean, in the end, it's not really anything I'd even like suggest to go see as far as um, superhero movies go. But I mean, when you put it up against what we've gotten this year, it's definitely towards the top. I mean, we've gotten like, I mean, just terrible uh, superhero movies this year, like, you know, like Deadpool and uh, Suicide Squad and Batman versus Superman. So it doesn't really have much to go up against, but it's definitely the top of those list for sure. But, um, you know, in my, my final rating for this, you know, and, and it's very disappointing as it is. Cause I was, you know, you have such a star, star cast on this, on these movies, you know, I mean, if you just look at the, the cast, I mean, you have a couple AAA actors or, or actors that like to, um, try new things, especially like, you know, Jennifer Lawrence and Michael Fassbender and James McAvoy, they always pick movies that that test themselves and this it doesn't seem like they gave them anything you know it's just these quick little revelations that we already knew like i said so i i'd give it 2.5 out of 5 it could go either way up or down on a rewatch um i don't expect to watch it anytime soon but you know maybe down the line you know we're doing a, a you know a run through of all of them maybe i'd like to revisit it but it, it's gonna have to be a while so I definitely not recommend, I wouldn't recommend it, but you know, if you're a fan of, of comic books, of course you're going to see it. But if, if you know, you're just kind of one-offing it, I, I would, I wouldn't recommend it. It wouldn't be one of my recommends. So let's go ahead and move on to, uh, something similar, I guess. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles out of the shadows just came out on, uh, you know, video and streaming services and DVD and Blu-ray, um, the other day and so I got around to seeing this I didn't I didn't actually get to see it when it came out in theaters I guess I don't know around I think it was around my birthday or so and um, this one isn't being directed by the same guy uh, or by the same director as the last movie it uh, it's being done by Dave Green who did that uh, that kind of like that teen movie that came out a couple of years ago or a year or two ago, that earth to echo. So that one, you know, just that in general, just kind of made me a little bit more excited because that one dealt with a little bit, had a little bit of action, a little bit of action. And it's very similar in style, I guess. But, um, this one is a roller coaster. So this one's kind of hard to pin down. So you still have the turtles gearing up, um, you still have them in these crazy action sequences and you still have, um, some outlandish, uh, guy, uh, bosses and bad guys that show up from the classic series, but it's not necessarily any of that. It's all the in-between. So my, some of my favorite movies are the original Ninja, Ninja Turtles. I, you know, I grew up playing with the toys and I just loved the, I don't know. I, I, 
I just love that they were similar to Batman. You know, he, he had to kind of conceal his identity um, during the day. And then he came out at night, you know, and wore a mask and things like that and kind of cleaned up the city. And it's very similar, except uh, they're teenage. For one, they're teenagers. And so, you know, they're kind of rowdy and rambunctious and, you know, want to have a lot of fun while they're doing it. Like, you know, going out and having fun at night and things like that. But they're but the weird thing is, is that they're turtles and, you know, they have an intellect of a human, but it, it, it you know, they have to live within a, a, a turtle shell, you know, so it's, they understand what it's like to be different growing up, Splinter trying to teach them, you know, because he was once a human and was turned into a rat, whereas they, so he's able to teach his values on them and make them um, better for it. And so I thought that was just such a interesting dynamic and an interesting concept. And growing up, you know, just being enthralled with all the different characters, all the classic characters, especially, you know, when the cartoon came out, it just kind of took everything by storm and blew up uh, the series and brought the movies out, brought the toys out and everything. So, but in Out of the Shadows, um, particularly, um, doesn't really tread any new ground as far as story goes. It's just um, Shredder, basically they lock up Shredder at the end of this, and the end of the last one. And, you know, he's, they're, they're trying to get his release and Shredder ends up um, in uh, Dimension X and Krang's there and uh, Krang hands him a vial uh, filled with, you know, this purple stuff, which is, uh, you know, he brings back to make mutants and things like that. And so it's, you know, I guess it's kind of similar to the second Ninja Turtles, but in the second one, TGRI was the one who came up with the liquid to, uh, you know, that made the turtles turn. So, and this one was given to Shredder by Krang. But uh, one of the like my biggest biggest problems with this movie um, was the Shredder character. You know, he in this he's kind of like a he's an overseer, like he's menacing. He's an overseer. He's the comic relief. He's the kingpin. But he never fights. Like he never he's never like into the action at all. He just kind of brings he, he's just kind of a messenger who brings the trouble brings trouble to new york city which i thought was really strange i mean i know he uh you know i mean i know you get to see him quite a bit in the first movie but you know he, he's one of the most menacing characters and you're you're thinking that there's going to be a super shredder part or something like that similar to the first one um which you know not really a spoiler i guess but there's not in this but he um he he doesn't uh, do much so that that was my biggest problem and then i i enjoyed here here's the weird thing so i enjoyed the setup like i liked like the first 45 minutes or so you know even though it's it's zany and corny you can tell straight out of the gate that this is a kids movie you know it, it's it's kind of similar to the the first the original in a way um but when they go into more of the action scenes whereas the action in the you know in the original was more um based around martial arts and, you know, I know, I know it's guys in suits and things like that, but it's definitely based around martial arts and it's more believable. Where in this one, you know, you have the turtles going to Brazil and, you know, they're, they're fighting atop a plane, jumping out using parachutes and, um, tying themselves to the top of, uh, you know, packaged pack, uh, um, huge delivery planes and, and, you know, some of the stuff you saw from the trailer, you know, and, um, you know, it, it has it has kind of that zany outlandishness, you know, that you're used to. It's just it takes to level ten. 
you know, it's like how it's almost like this lad, the last Fast and Furious movie, you know, where the cars are like falling out of the, 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 um, the planes and they land and, you know, they're taking on this huge armored bus and each one has like different type, different guns. And you're like, how, how would they top that? You know, it's almost like they have to either, either dial it back or put it to the next level for the next one. So it's almost like this one, like just turn it up to 11 and, you know, just kind of the, all of the action, let's just see what happens. And I, uh, I let and, and that's not really a, a bad thing. It's just, um, it goes a little too far. Like I love the ideas. I love the concepts. I love the action sequences. I love the fighting, but it seemed to deal more with like, uh, like it seemed to deal with more of like just, uh, doing extreme things other than actual fighting like ninjas, you know, you, you have, you have, you know, some fight scenes, of course, but it seems to me like they just, they wanted to like, just put a camera around, you know, the, the turtles and, you know, since they're CG, they can do whatever they want and, you know, just have them jump from buildings and jump from skyscrapers and fall out of planes and, and take on tanks and, you know, and, and just things like that. It's just, it's kind of uncharacteristic, but, you know, it, it, it's the new direction they're going with. And, um, one other thing is like, I didn't really have a problem with any of the turtles in this one, but you're still having, and I, I'm really glad that they kind of kept the whole, uh, you know, brothers against each other in check. There's a small portion in there, but, uh, you know, they, they, they made that kind of a small part of the movie, but, uh, where it really, but where the negatives were, were actually like the human interaction, like, Baxter Stockman's character, uh, Neil, uh, what is that? Degrassi Tyson, uh, Tyler Perry, him, um, and, uh, Megan Fox and Stephen Amell's character from Arrow. They're just about like the most cliched wooden characters. I mean, you can see in a movie and I, I, I'd imagine, you know, they, they were directed to kind of be zany just because, you know, it would fit with the movie. But you would think there would be a little bit more. It's just they all they all seem like they're out of place. Um, the only one that seems... Uh, I mean, the only one that really seems like they fit is Will Arnett just because he's kind of... he's He has a lot of the comic relief sections. And he's all, you know, he's just funny in general. You know, I didn't think they gave him a lot to work with, but he's pretty funny in the movie. But, you know, Megan Fox and Stephen Amell, it's just, I mean, they're just kind of there. And it, it doesn't really make sense to why, I, I mean, it, make, it makes sense within the story. It's just, I would like to have the movie focus like 70-30 on turtles versus, you know, with versus humans. Because I didn't get a camaraderie with like, I mean, the, uh, the bond with New York City uh, as, you know, as much as they push this in this movie. I didn't understand that bond and they just keep pushing it. I guess so just at the payoff at the end, you're more or less inclined to kind of agree with it. It's a, it's not really a problem. It's just, it doesn't really make sense to me at least. And, you know, just, I guess just in the fact of fitting in and taking credit for, you know, what you did in the past and what you're going to do in the future and not wanting to take the spotlight was interesting. It's just, you know, out of the shadows means something at the very end. It's just 
so the journey to get there um, isn't long or tiresome. It just, like I said, just gets a little too zany. Um, but, you know, of course, the voice acting's good. Some of the one-liners are pretty funny. Um, some weird um, inclusions of basketball player, Nick players, I thought was really strange. Um, that that weren't funny and didn't really fit. And I don't know if that was an obligation, but that, that was that was really, really strange. And But a lot of the fun parts came from the different vehicles that they have, like especially the uh, new tur- the the turtle van. I thought looked amazing, and everything from the trailer, uh, everything from the the, the trailers. You know that you know you, you grew up liking you know just all the toys and all because I you know I, I'm sure you know before my time there's like GI Joes and stuff where they made like these huge playsets and stuff, but for turtles like you know you know batteries were being widely used in toys and things like that and you know they had like that pizza thrower and that's just exactly what it reminded me it's almost like an amalgamation of all the different toys put into like one big device you know one big car and i just thought that was neat it's something that donatello would come up with in the original as well so i just thought it was fun you know i liked that and uh but with without spoiling a lot of the end you know there's sports of course there's going to be like a huge fight scene that involves, you know, Krang, and um, I thought that was pretty interesting. But overall, um, I guess I would definitely recommend it. And it's something that, other than maybe some language, I would definitely show, you know, a kid. Um, I think that they would probably, out of these movies, I think, especially this one, um, just being at that Bebop and Rocksteady were, like, perfectly cast, I think, and were funny for the most part, and, you know, really broke up the humor and may turn the zaniness up to like 12, 11. So, but you know, I, I think this is something for, I don't know, like maybe like a 13 year old audience and that's what they were shooting for. And, but it's something that anybody I think could watch, you know, it, it has something, I guess, for everybody in it. Um, and you, you would be entertained throughout like I was. So in the end of it, I would give, I would give it a 3.5 out of five. Um, definitely, like like just like in X Men, I believe that it could go either up or down. So, um, but yeah, three point five is where that one's gonna lie. And then uh, the last um, movie we have to review is the Blair Witch. Now, now a small history on Blair Witch. So when Blair when the for me the first when the first movie came out, um, I was in high school. I believe I was. Or actually, I was still in middle school. And uh, I just kept hearing from all of these people. You know, of course, I wasn't old enough to go see it. So I just kept hearing from everyone about how scary the movie was. Like, you know, it's just the scariest movie you've ever seen. And it's just ultimately terrifying. And you just won't believe how scary it is. You know, that's all you kept hearing from all my friends. I'm like, oh, I was like, how did you go see it? You know, oh, you're... Your older brother went and saw it, or, you know, your cousin went and took you. Well, my brother, my older brother is not really into horror, so I didn't really have an outlet, and my parents were either, so I didn't really have an outlet to go, or like any older students, because I was still in middle school. So it wasn't actually till later on, when it came out on uh, VHS, that, you know, I was able to, to get a copy at Blockbuster and watch it. And, and at the time, I remember being like, I remember it being scary. Like, I remember actually, like, you know, you know, like your normal movies, like having tension and building your heart rate up like that and, or, or things like that. And, 
you know, having some scary moments and especially the end and especially it be, it being my first found footage movie, it, it definitely evoked fear. But for whatever reason, I wasn't really drawn into the idea behind it. And I know that the actors went through, uh, you know, when they were filming the movie, they went through and like, actually like, if I remember right, they would like from behind the scenes stuff, they would put stuff out there to actually make the actors scared in a way. So I thought that was interesting. But overall, it, uh, uh, I, I just liked, like, liked the way that it ended. It was just like, it just kind of cut. And you, you, you see movies like that all the time now, like with Wreck and, um, uh, I'm trying to think of some. It's not that it's really coming to mind. It just happens all the time. But, you know, I mean, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, where, like stuff just like cuts, you know, or, like at the end of the movie. And, the, the, that one really was the first one that kind of got to me. And especially the use of sound and the way that it looked like it was something that was real, you know, because of the, the technology at the time. So fast forward, um, what, 20 years later or so, and uh, we have a movie that was touted as being called The Woods, you know, by Adam Wingard and Simon Barnett. They recently, uh, like I believe it was like Comic-Con, said that it was actually a Blair Witch movie. And, you know, so uh, the test screen people that went in actually didn't know that until they watched it and knew what they were kind of getting into. And they changed the posters afterwards, which is it's, it's an, an interesting concept. But, you know, everybody came out of that. I, I didn't know this until later because I, I didn't want to spoil anything. But a lot of the reception of that movie was that it was pretty bad. So I didn't know that going into it. And... You know, I, at this point, I kind of have my ups and downs with the duo, you know, the directing and writing duo. You know, I didn't like the VHS segments at all. You know, they were very similar. I, you know, it just seemed like they, they weren't all that original. And I don't think that it really, well, at least their segments, and took it to all new places. And... I know they were trying to evoke entertainment or emotion out of those sequences. And, you know, they were just like little quick things, you know, and from like a seasoned horror movie watcher, I guess, which I am, um, it didn't really do much for me. I, I don't know if it would do much for, I'd like to hear, I mean, if, if you know, if, if you watch those and you like them, maybe, I don't know, post in the comments why or what you thought was great about it, just so I can kind of see a different perspective. But everything I've read... And then my own personal experience, I just haven't really, I never really enjoyed any of the VHS movies other than maybe the first one. And, uh, but anyway, um, and then the guest, I enjoyed the guest and I thought it was an interesting concept and other than some of the special effects, but, and then your next, I wasn't a huge fan, um, just uses too many of tried and true tropes and doesn't really go to anywhere new other than maybe some gruesome body horror at the end um but you know it's your typical typical story and ending but in this one this movie i can just tell you right off the top i it was absolute garbage it it if if anything was a cash grab this thing would be it you know it's basically an hour and 40 minutes of rehash you know it it's uh the basically the story is the um the brother of um i forget his name uh the brother oh james yeah so heather was the one in the original movie he was he was lost in the movie 
and James is her brother. So James stumbles on somebody's internet video and seems to think that he in the in this kind of the same area and he seems to think that seeing his sister sister's face it, it, that she's still alive you know because it's like recent footage i guess so you know he wants to go and track down you know the people who made the video and have them show them like where they they got the footage and everything and you know kind of be their local guide from the area to to to, to show them now the one thing you, you, you'd be asking yourself straight out, straight away is, this is like 20 years later. So how, I mean, let's just say James is, what, 23, maybe? How would he have any recollection of his, his sister and what, you know, what she looked like or how she acted or, or have any type of attachment? I, I just thought that was very strange um, and, and a weird um, idea to actually go back. You know, I, I thought that the idea of maybe just uh, some, some policemen or something that come across the footage or, or, you know, some kind of, uh, uh, group, you know, that comes across the footage and, you know, goes out looking for her would, would have been more interesting. But so James piles a bunch of his friends together. They go out and meet these locals that are going to take them to, to find out where her sister is. And, you know, um, now, the problem with it, and the, the reason I say it's a cash grab, is, um, the, I mean, this might be like mild spoilers. So, you know, if you don't want to hear any of the spoilers, just fast forward, you know, maybe like 15 minutes or so. And uh, I'll come back and I'd like to do a little bit of a spoiler section towards the end for this movie. Just some slight things just to kind of talk about. Um, but um, without spoiling anything, you know, they're, they, they, they meet up with this group. They're just going to show them. And the problem was everything that you've seen from the originals happens again. And there's some, there's, um, some new ways that they're, they're, they're going to film the movie. You know, they have new, like, uh, pinhole cameras, you know, that they put on their ear and they're able to film. They have, uh, a drone that they're going to use. They, they have, um, uh, uh, the locals actually use the old TV footage, um, the old camera. Um, so it, it could have been something interesting, like, you know, these tapes are supposedly found, right? So, and then kind of cobbled together into what you're saying. But what, a bit, what would have been interesting is to see the making of that. Like the person who, the person who goes and puts all this footage together, what to leave in, what to leave out, how they find these things. That's what I want to see. I don't want to see, it's just everything feels contrived. It, it doesn't feel natural. And especially using all this new technology that you have, whereas, whether it be cell phones, tablets, the drone, none of that ever adds anything to the movie. You're waiting, you know, in most horror movies, they set up these red herrings to like, to be like, okay, well, this is what's going to happen here. I mean, they're going to show, they're going to set up the red herrings and there's going to be payoffs at the end, whether it being, you know, it being, thus, you know, people you see across the, you know, the house, the way, you know, coming over to help or, um, you know, neighbors coming by or, you know, like people giving you like a, the, the evil eye, things like that. You know, people, they'll, they'll set these little small red herrings up to where, you know, there's payoffs at the end is what I'm saying. And the technology that they use, you would think they'd be able to cobble together something better. And the, the way that the, the, the reason the original one worked 
is the tapes that they use, especially like one camera being in black and white was just so interesting because, and, and not only that, but having a sound guy and being able to have, film one portion but have the sound coming from somewhere else is just really, really interesting and uh, a really awesome concept, I think. And so this movie doesn't really tackle any of those things. It's, 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 um, I don't recommend it. It's, it's very, um, very, very similar to the original, which is just a bit my, my biggest problem with it. They, uh, um, go to the, the, they they go to the same forest, even though at the beginning they said that they may have been in a, in a different area. They kind of allude to um, nobody finding, like them searching after the last movie for the daughter um, and not ever finding a house that she was in, even though that the video they saw show her, you know, being knocked unconscious in a house, I guess, and being lost or wherever she was. So that's something that you can play with. And I thought something that was kind of interesting, you know, this kind of mysterious house being in the middle of nowhere. Um, like if, if you think about like a movie that came out recently that kind of tackle something that was really interesting like this even though it goes about it a different way was the witch you know about the, the kid uh the young kid going out into the forest and kind of like a Hansel and Gretel story being kind of lured in by this old the witch you know being lured into this house and um it, 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 in a very similar way to this but in that it, it's it, it uses like fantastical elements whereas this one has to root itself a little bit more in reality and, uh, like I know if you look back, it's such a weird pairing. Cause if you look back at a lot of Adam Wingard's and Simon Barnett's movies, they're all kind of tongue in cheek. They play with more of comedy. Um, they inject a lot of more comedy and it seems like they were having a lot of problems with this movie. As far as the cuts go, I mean, there are long stretches in this movie. Like I'm not really one to, 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 to say like, I don't really understand what's going on or in like, especially like shaky cam movies. But in this one, it really had like a drastic effect. Like I had no clue who was holding what camera um, or where, where the cuts were coming from other than, you know, the characters yelling out at each other. And there's like long extended sequences of characters like calling out to one another and um, trying to find each other, you know, and it, it just wasn't interesting. And um, especially some of the revelations that we'll get to here in a second with the spoilers didn't it didn't really add anything to the movie i thought so um the acting was pretty was okay i guess um the the ending was terrible the music is really non-existent i don't understand uh seeing the first one it's all about terror it's all about build up um there's a lot of lulls there um a lot of similar things happen in the new one it's just in the original you're not really expecting much you know i mean they're setting up scenes they're setting up the the kind of the pace of the movie um whereas in this one some of the um payoffs i guess towards the end um you know of 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 what happens to some of the people are quick and don't amount to anything because you just don't know anything about some of the characters and especially being that they're, they're setting up a lot of the characters to kind of hate one another with some imagery at the beginning that I don't want to spoil right right now. They It seems like there could be something that, that was interesting, I guess, um, 
but they don't really tackle it. So I'd give this, uh, let's just, I guess, without beating around the bush anymore, I'm going to go spend the next couple minutes in spoilers. So um, let's go ahead and rate this one. It's, I'd say I'd give it around a two. Um, I I don't think really a 1.5 is fair, but a, a two is right around its wheelhouse, I think. So definitely don't recommend it. If you want to see, you know, something that was a lot more intense and scary, definitely, you know, I guess similar in a way, go see The Witch, you know, that came out, uh, I guess it was last year, but, you know, it just released this year in the States. So I'd definitely go check that out. Um, so um, let's go ahead and get into some spoilers um, for Blair Witch. So... One of my biggest problems, I don't really have much to say, I just kind of want to talk about some of the ending pieces and kind of the fates of some of the characters. And what I was alluding to earlier was um, some of the characters kind of seem like they have a beef with each other. And um, namely like the the local group, whereas the group that comes from the city looking for the daughter, um, or sister, I'm sorry, I keep saying daughter. And that really doesn't really... um, delve into anything and uh um you so you have at the end you just have you just have some characters just dropping like flies and you know the kid in in what i was saying earlier about um it being weird was some of the characters like come out of their tents and they see the rocks just like in the original or they come out of their tents one morning and they see you know the stick the the classic stickman blair witch dolls or, or whatever you call it um like strung around the trees and you don't get that same sense because you've seen it before. You don't get that dread. And uh, the use of the drone was ridiculous. It didn't amount to anything. The footage didn't amount to anything. They didn't find anything. It would have been interesting to kind of fly up and maybe have some weird fantastical element just to kind of give you a little bit of sense of dread. Um, but let's kind of fast forward to the ending and work from there. So, um, so James and, like, I guess his girlfriend, the one that's filming this, uh, for a documentary project, they they find the house. If James seems to think he sees his sister in there, he runs in there. And uh, um, earlier in the movie, um, remember when um, the locals kind of go off on their own and they they find their way back and they say, you know, five days has passed. But for the local group or for the group from out of town, you know, it only been a couple hours, so it was kind of strange. And so when you find out, I guess there's some kind of time distortion, but. So inside, when they finally get inside the house, I, th- I just thought that there was just no big payoff. You know, they're going around the house. You're seeing the handprints against the walls. You're seeing a lot of the same imagery from the originals. And you're kind of wondering why they're still filming. You know, I guess that's nitpicky, you know, because it is a found footage movie. But, um, you know, you get early on that you, the, the one thing that was the only really meat and potatoes of the movie was you can't actually look at the witch or whatever because if you look at her, then you just die or whatever. And so I guess that's an interesting concept, except you can look at her. You just has to, you just can't look directly at her. I don't understand because at the very end, once, you know, all the other characters are dead, um, the only person who's left is the filmmaker and she's got the camera facing her with the, uh, the, uh, the video turned around. So she's just looking behind her and she's walking through and, and hopefully like not being able to be seen by the witch. And she's, it just looks like, you know, your generic, long-legged, uh, weird, Silent Hill-ish <laughs> uh, demon. And it just does nothing for me. And, you know, of course, it just knocks her out. You have the same sequence of, like, in Quarantine, 
where, you know, the girl's kind of trudging through her descent, kind of trudging through the, um, uh, uh, like a little small passageway underneath the, the barn and, or underneath the house. And it just really doesn't amount to anything. There's no dread. There's no terror because I don't know anything about these people. I don't know where they're going. I'm almost at this point figuring that there's gonna, it's gonna win the same way. And then it does. It ends exactly the same way. No questions answer, answered. No questions asked. It just, the epitome of cash grab just means it doesn't show anything new. There, there's no new concepts. There's nothing new to bring to the table. There's nothing to chew on. There's nothing scary. The, the, it's hard to understand what you're looking at from the perspectives of the, of the filmmakers. Um, and of course the inclusion of sound is kind of strange and doesn't really make any sense. Like the dramatic music, um, that they stray away from in the original. So it, it just seems kind of strange. Um, and definitely, definitely, definitely disappointing just because I thought that, you know, it could be time for something like, it is time for something like that to come to be remade. But coming from this t- this duo, I just expected more. So anyway, that pretty much brings us to the end of the show. Um, uh, you can follow me at Lee Van Martin. Um, send all your questions to feasiblefilm at gmail.com. And... Um, We'll be back. Like I said, we're, we're uh, trudging along, you know, still releasing episodes every week. Uh, next week, we'll definitely be reviewing Conjuring 2, um, possibly going over uh, uh, creating some kind of like October. Uh, everybody on all the different podcasts over the years always calls it like spooktacular. So we may do something like that where we, you know, like I was talking about last week's show, where we pick a director and maybe settle, maybe like pick an unknown film or something that's a little different and kind of go with it and see um but we'll have something interesting for you planned um i I definitely want to go check out magnificent seven so we might get around to doing nice magnificent seven and conjuring two as well as uh, some other horror movies so um just stay tuned to the channel um if you wouldn't mind going on itunes just search um whatever platform you're on if you're on pocket cast or pandora or pandora or a stitcher or any of those uh or itunes any of those uh podcasting players you wouldn't mind going in there and just giving us a good rating or or reviewing that would definitely help out the show and sharing on your social social media and uh um and yeah i mean definitely uh thanks for listening and until next episode stay feasible